For the past several weeks, you've been listening to me, Meg Hansen, discuss various sociopolitical issues and aspects of public life in Vermont on this podcast, Writing What's Left. But who exactly am I? That's a valid question. Thanks to Mindy Sharp from Stowe for asking about my background. On today's episode of Thursday Thoughts, I am going to share an extended clip from my 2017 interview on Common Sense Radio with host Matthew Strong, where I share my personal story focusing on my travels and travails across the world and how Vermont became my home. So, without further ado... Our guest today is uh, making her debut on this program, someone that I, who I believe has a unique perspective, um, as we'll hear in a minute. She's a syndicated columnist. She has her own uh, communications company. Her weekly column, Record Straight, is published by the Eagle Times, Rutland Herald, and Times Argus. Meg Hansen, have we got you on the line? Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here. That is awesome. Good to hear your voice. Uh, how is the, the, the snow level where you are? Right here in Windsor County, it's actually really good. Yep. We didn't get as much snow as you know you guys up there, but yeah, it's sunny. It's beautiful. It's chilly, though. It is. It's a little, a little cold, but um, <laughs> I'm excited to see the, the blue sky instead of more snow coming down. Um, let's, let's start with t- telling us a little bit about yourself. And, uh, and also to kind of give us some background on our conversation. So let's, let's start off there. Sure, thank you. Um, so I moved to the Upper Valley in 2011 to attend graduate school at Dartmouth College. Mm-hmm. I have a master's degree in liberal studies from there. And really at Dartmouth College, I took my first steps to um, become more politi- politically engaged and to be a writer and, you know, talk about, like, commentary and criticism. Um, but... Growing up, this idea, um, this dream of being a writer, it, you know, it wasn't accessible to me. It wasn't even an acceptable dream. Um, so I was born in India. I boarded um, my first flight at the age of seven months. I love to joke that I flew before I walked. Mm-hmm. Um, my, um, my mother's family immigrated to Dallas, Texas, and my father is a pediatrician in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, in the Middle East. My childhood was in some ways really privileged because, you know, we traveled extensively. We lived a very, you know, um, sheltered and comfortable life. There was a lot of love. But at the same time, it was also tragic because um, when I was five, my mother was diagnosed with um, a malignant brain tumor. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the next couple of years, you know, she endured a very challenging struggle uh, with cancer that she eventually lost. So, um, you know, as you can imagine, that tragedy had a a really profound effect on me, but I think um, in, in many ways, as you can imagine, but um, mostly it's because what happened is that I started, I internalized a lot of societal expectations and familial expectations of who I should be, what I should do. And so um, during my teens, you know, I always wanted to be a writer. That's what was in my heart. But my experience, you know, within the Indian diaspora I mean, and I'm not talking generally about all people of Indian origin, just my own experience, was that it's not acceptable. It was not, it's not acceptable for a young girl to publicly express opinions. You know, so if I wanted to be a political columnist as I am today, 
it would eventually, you know, it inevitably involves criticism, right? You'd have to mm -hmm. talk about things. And that, that's not considered good or ac acceptable. So that's one. But the second thing is that in the Middle East, there is no freedom of speech. Um, and even if you look at the old world, when you look at um, other democracies like the United Kingdom or India or Western European democracies, yes, they do have freedom of speech, but they have so many libel laws and so many things that you can say or can't say. Um, unlike us here right now, you know, we Americans, we enjoy a constitutional right to the freedom of speech. It's enshrined in our Constitution with the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. But that, that concept is, you know, alien um, outside, and we really have a very unique thing here. So um, when I graduated high school, I, I decided I should do what everybody expects me to do, and that is to study medicine. My father wanted me to study in India. Um, I, should, I should say here, I should explain that in, in India, they follow the British system. So basically, you graduate high school and you go directly into medical school. Oh. It's four years. It's the same curriculum that they have here in med school, but you start at 18, and that's a, a, a big difference. So there I was, um, you know, in India. I mean, I, I was born there. I'm of Indian heritage, but I never lived there. So, you know, it was a cultural shock. It was really different, and it was a very rigorous program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, very quickly I realized that my personality, my passions, what, what excites me, you know, that they don't really comport with, you know, a career as a practicing doctor. But I wasn't given the option to leave. You know, my father said, you've got to finish what you started. So um, I, I, you know, I did it. Um, you know, when I now look at what's happening here on campuses uh, where you have nap-ins and, you know, coloring time and, you know, this kind of safe space, none of that. You know, it was a very rigorous program. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. I'm, I'm very grateful for, for the mental discipline that I, that I gained there. But really it was, it was a time that I think of as trial by fire where all the conceptions I had about who I am and what I believe in sort of melted away. And really the, it was the first step toward me becoming who I am, me understanding my personal and political philosophy as an American, as a conservative. Um, so when I, I graduated, I mean, I, I passed my exams, my family still wanted me to continue with medicine. Mm -hmm. but, um, but I decided not to do that. And so, because I just, honestly, I just couldn't. I had to, I decided that, you know, no matter what happens, um, whether I fail, if I fail miserably, at least I'll own it. It'll be my failure. And um, so, you know, maybe so people, if they're listening, they'd be like, well, did you start writing then? I, oh, I couldn't do that. You know, I was mentally exhausted. I was burnt out. And, and even though I wanted to do nonfiction writing, I couldn't, you know, there's a creative element to it. So I needed to rejuvenate and, you know, rekindle. And so against my family's wishes, I moved to Italy I lived in Florence. I studied Italian and design. And I lived in Europe for a few years after that where um, I had an opportunity to do very meaningful internships in Oslo, Norway, and in London. Hmm. And, and during this, you know, so some people think there's a, there's a perception that when young people in their 20s, they go to Europe, you know, they do drugs, they party. It's like a, it's a great time. That, that can't be further from, the, from my experience in, in Europe. I look at that as my phase two, mm -hmm. where, um, you know, I, I had a great opportunity to meet with lots of people and, and understand, you know, what, what is it like to be in Europe? What is, what is the role of government? Um, you know, what is good? What is bad? And, you know, um, the, the American left really loves to talk about how progressive 
Scandinavian countries are, right? I mean, the social, the democratic socialism. And this was in 2009, so way before Bernie Sanders became a national phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was really curious. I wanted to know, you know, what is it really like? So that's why I sort of deliberately applied for that internship in Oslo where I could live and I could live there and talk to Norwegians and, and see what it's, what it's all about, you know, and just kind of get hands-on approach of what it means to be in these various political environments. Um, and I'm, I'm very, I recognize that, I mean, even though my family was not happy and, you know, I was kind of out there in the wilderness, I'm very grateful for the financial opportunities and the agency to actually be able to go to these places and, and figure all this out. So anyway, after those, those years, I kind of got my mojo back. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I decided, okay, I'm ready now to take the various threads of my life and distill it into, uh, you know, my writing into a personal philosophy. And I was able to do that at Dartmouth College with, with the graduate program there. Um, I got a, a wonderful intellectual and creative home. And added bonus, I met my now husband there. So if you, if you look at my life as a, like a, a pendulum, it swung one way and then swung the other, and it finally came to its center of rest in the Upper Valley. Wow, that's, and that's awesome. Yes, I absolutely agree. Finding home in Vermont is awesome. Do you have any questions or comments? Write to me at megpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook on my Facebook page, Dialogues with Meg Hansen, where you can watch interviews from my TV show. Stay tuned for new episodes every Tuesday with bonus Thursday thoughts. Until next time, I'm Meg Hansen, and you've been listening to Writing What's Left.